Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. It's a samurai. Anybody speak Japanese? Tell me he did not just speak Japanese. I can do things. Welcome, Primers, to this issue 78 of the DC Primetime Podcast. Not only issue 78, but we are back in force as this is the first week, the premieres of the rest of the Arrowverse, Supergirl, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and Arrow all returning this week with their season premieres, and we're going to talk about them. But before we get into that, obviously... Uh, two things we have to do. First off, introductions. I am Ben Beck from the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network. And I am Rob Martin from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods. Uh, we reversed it a little bit. <laughs> Usually yeah. we say what podcast we're from. Uh, uh, whatever. Yeah. I don't care. I, <laughs> I'm so fucking tired. I know. Sorry about the uh, cursing because uh, yeah, me and Ben are both in rough shape, so. It's been a uh, long, long weekend. Rob, you were, uh, I know you were away on a business trip. You didn't return until yesterday, which is the, the late, day before. Late last night, yeah. The, the day before we're recording this. Um, so you've had a long week. I was, uh, last night, yesterday evening, I was at a marching band competition supporting um, a family friend's niece and nephew uh, at the at MetLife Stadium up around the border of uh, New, York, uh, New York and New Jersey, in which the award ceremony was not until 1 o'clock in the morning, and it was about a two-and-a-half-hour drive for me to get home afterwards when I finally got out of there. So needless to say, I'm going on about four or five hours of sleep right now because I didn't get home and get to bed till 5 o'clock this morning. Oh, God. But yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do have to say a quick shout-out to their school. I won't mention the school name, but uh, for the first time – in my my buddy's niece and nephew's time being in the band, uh, they placed first place with an awesome show that was well deserved. First place, best overall, best color guard, and best music, which was uh, which was a really cool experience. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah, and and bear in mind, even though like we may sound like crap, it will not affect our discussions today. Uh, oh no, not at all. Our, our, our my I can just tell you my voice is just a bit of a mess because. Uh, for any of anybody that's ever done travel and especially heading down to like more of a tropical area, man, it, it does just just decimates your sinuses and your throat <laughs> and everything. And I was there for a week. So and oh, my God, is Orlando hot this time of year? And I mean, hot still. It should not be that hot. It's like mid-October. So 
Well, I mean, we've been getting some warmer temperatures here in the Philadelphia area, too, because, I mean, I I remember when I w- used to do marching band competitions, <laughs> nerd alert, uh, when I used to do them in high school, I remember once the competition was over, going up to the stands and, like, bundling up under a blanket with, like, hot chocolate. And last night, I'm there completely comfortable in jeans and a t-shirt. Like, it's it's absurd how warm it still is going into mid-October. And... I don't know. I don't know what it is. <laughs> no, it's okay. So this is just for fun because it's sometimes fun just to play catch up on like what's happening in our real lives. But so I stayed at a Disney resort, and um, I saw some a lot of your pictures. Yeah, I, I didn't put up much. I just put up shots from like you know Harry Potter World, and you know uh, I did get a chance to go to Animal Kingdom and check out Pandora, which as holy crap was that gorgeous. Um, but I will say. Uh, yeah, the resorts and conventions on, on the same space, it, while it sounds like a great idea because there's not many uh, hotels with big convention areas. So my room was absolutely the furthest point away from where the convention was taking place on property. And that may not sound like much. It was a 25-minute walk from my hotel room. Oh, my God. To the con floor where I was doing stuff. And I was in full business attire, like minus a suit jacket to do that and it was like 90 95 degrees with a heat index of like 99 to 100 like it was bad so yeah it was uh i'd get cleaned up you know get a shower and by the time i'd make it to the show floor i was just drenched in sweat and i'm like please make this end (laughs) please make this um but yeah so it was it it was it, it was a good show um you know it was great for work but i will say uh harry potter well worth the hype the avatar ride Holy crap! Very well worth the hype too. So that's awesome. Yeah, I'm not a fan of the Avatar movie, but I would still go see Pandora. Yeah, the the ride experience alone was uh, one of the coolest things I've ever experienced. So that's cool. I'm glad you had a good time. Yeah. And uh, one other thing to mention before we go into talking about the shows, obviously, which is I'm sure what all of you are waiting for. Uh, one of us celebrated a birthday. Over this mm-hmm. past weekend. Uh, and so happy birthday to me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> happy birthday to Rob. Thank you. Thank you. I spent most of it in the airport yesterday. So <laughs> that sucks. That was, that was a ton of fun. <laughs> so, well, I know I know. once um, we're done recording today, I think you and your wife are, are going to be just hanging out and spending time together for your birthday, which is cool. Yeah, and I think I'm going to try to get a nap in there sometime, too. I think that's, uh, that's, that's definitely on the docket. Me, uh, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, we got to do this because, uh, man, there's a lot to talk about. Yes, there is there... a lot to talk about. Yes, there is. So for those of you who are new to the podcast who joined us over the summer before we uh, – while we were on break and not doing these full cap reviews, uh, here's how everything is going to work. For each show, we're going to go in order that the shows air. Occasionally, we do break away from that if it's something important. Uh, but for the most part, we'll go through the the order of the shows. We will give each show our rating. That would be Sidekick, Hero, or Legend, depending on how much we liked the episode. Uh, and then we will break things down. We'll talk a little bit about each episode before going on to the next. So uh, we're going to start with Supergirl, as we should. It was the first premiere that aired. Supergirl Season 3, Episode 1. Rob, we'll start with you on our rating. Uh, sidekick, Hero, or Legend? I am going hero. Um, you're going to hear that word from me a lot tonight. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely going hero. All right. Yeah. Hero for me on this one as well. 
next up, we have The Flash, Season 4, Episode 1. Uh, sidekick, Hero, or Legend? I think this is the first time I've ever done this for a premiere of The Flash, Hero. I'm going to be interested to see, uh, to hear what your uh, your thoughts on this one are. Um because I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty torn on this one, but I think I'm a little different. I think I'm actually going to go a lower tier legend on okay. this one. Yeah, I, I was close. I was very close, but um, I, I, there was a little. There, there are some things that just uh, didn't work. Didn't work in my mind. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll see what they are in a little bit. Uh, next, we have Legends of Tomorrow, Season 3, Episode 1. I think one of the things that makes this different is I think this is the first time we're getting all four shows premiering together. Legends is yeah. usually saved for a little bit later into the season. Mm-hmm. Well, last season, we, we they started together. It was just wrapped up by um, uh, mid-season. Okay. So, all right. So, yeah, they did kick off last year. Season 1 is where it was really, it, like I said, it was after the... Vandal Savage crossover. And all yeah, stuff. season one I think was a uh, was mid-season, saved yep. for a mid season show. Yeah, yep. Uh, but I'm glad it's it's premiering at the same time as everything else. Uh, mm-hmm. But as far as the rating goes on this one, sidekick, hero, or legend? Uh, you know what? I this is the one I'm I'm struggling with. Uh, but I think uh, I I think I'm gonna go legend. I think it, it's getting a very low tier legend, but I think I'll give it a legend. So. I, I'm I'm actually going legend as well on this one. Um, I I we talked about our ratings beforehand, and I know you were across the board. And it's funny how it changes as we actually begin to talk about the episodes because you were across the board one particular rating, and now you've already changed one. Uh, and I was across the board on one, and I'm changing as we go as well. Uh, but I'm going legend on this one mm-hmm. as well. Uh, low tier, but it's mm-hmm. uh, it's still a legend. It was a great start to the season. Yeah, I if you know normally we say what it's like eight through ten, uh, you know I I would I would probably it was sitting at a seven five and I'm like you know what I guess I could I guess I'll push it up a little bit. It's like maybe like seven point six. I'm rounding up. So. Okay. Uh, and finally we have Arrow season six episode one. Uh, sidekick hero or legend? It's getting a hero. Oh man, see we're different on this because I'm not only going legend, I'm going mid tier legend. I absolutely loved this episode. So I'm as when we say like eight through ten, I'm going like a high eight, low nine on okay. this episode. Uh but let's jump back to the beginning, uh to season uh season three, episode one of Supergirl titled Girl of Steel. Uh Kara deals with the loss of Monel by focusing her energy on being Supergirl and concentrating on a mysterious new threat. Alex confesses a secret to Maggie. A citizen of National City has a mysterious connection to Kara, and Lena makes a bold new move. So we're seeing a lot with this episode. We're seeing I know one of the things they had said going forward with this is that this is pretty much going to be uh for Supergirl, for Flash, for Arrow. Like this is their reborn. This is their rebirth of all of these characters. Uh, we see that in The Flash, absolutely, with the name of the episode is The Flash Reborn. Uh, this is, in essence, the Supergirl Reborn a little bit. But it's a lot. One of the things that really turned me off about this episode, I still enjoyed it, but one of the things that really turned me off is I understand what Kara is going through with the loss of Monel, But... I've always been a big critic of Man of Steel, and we're seeing a Supergirl that's very similar to the Superman we got in Man of Steel, to me, in this one. 
Yeah, yeah, I would I would agree with you. I mean, they do turn it around by the end of the episode. Yes, um, yeah. You know, I think it's just the initial setup and, you know, how much time has passed. It seems like what they, they treated as six months has passed across all these shows. Um, you know, with the exception of the Legends, kind of, because, you know, you know, time travel and all the jazz. But, yeah, oh, that in that six-month time frame, to think that Supergirl was, you know, she she was Supergirl. It's just Cara Danvers just basically just didn't exist for the most part during that time. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, and we're so used to seeing this character in such a lighthearted sense that it's kind of, you know, to open up the season with her in this darker, darker state. I again, I understand why they did it, but it's such a complete tone difference from what we're used to with this show that it kind of threw me off a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, that was something we were really worried about too back when they showed the first trailer for the season, and and that. It, it makes you a little bit worried. I'm not going to lie. It, it, it did concern me a little bit, and I'm very happy that they got past that point, and they're not going to drag that out too, too much. Um, but, yeah, it did seem a little – it was it was a rough start, I think, for the show. But it was still a fun episode. Uh, but it did feel like just a middle-of-the-road episode. I don't think this was a way to get the season off to uh, to a good start. So. Yeah. Uh, we did get a, the introduction, though, to a couple new characters. Uh, remind me – if um remind me i don't think we saw um i don't think we saw morgan edge last season no morgan edge was a new character that came into play this season i i think either that or he, we saw him pop in maybe at the in the, the finale no he didn't even pop in, in the finale yeah i don't think just... he did i don't think we saw him at all in season 2 right and you know like you said i i can never remember the uh the actor that actually uh, adrian played. adrian pastar that's right, right. And obviously, most people remember him originally from Heroes. Nathan Petrelli. Uh, yep, yep, exactly. Uh, and uh, but you know, like Morgan Edge, uh, you know, is is definitely got a a known history with the mob in DC Comics. You know, lore. You know, is is kind of a you know, and it was a big connection to Intergang and uh, Superman. So I think this was a good call and was a good pick. Um, Having this character here, though, it makes me kind of wish that they would have found a way to bring back Maxwell Lord again and maybe start building him up a little bit instead of introducing Edge at this point. But I, I think this is good to bring uh, maybe Inner Gang into the mix into National City. But I think they ha- they really have an opportunity to bring Maxwell Lord into, into the mix as well and show uh, how the city is being controlled. And I think that adds a new fun threat for the show. Yeah, I agree with that, too. And it almost felt like, in a sense, that they were... See, I'm not as familiar with Morgan Edge as you are. Uh, but it almost, to me, felt like, in a sense, that m- they were kind of gearing Morgan Edge up w- to be almost Supergirl's version of Lex. Uh, I mean, because we, obviously we have... Um, we have Lena, but we know Lena is, is on the side of good. It's a Luther that's actually good. So we, we kind of need that anti-hero kind of person. And it feels like, to me, that that's exactly who they're kind of gearing Morgan Edge to be. Right. And, and you know, like, we still don't know which way Lena's going to tilt because they did kind of leave us it, hanging and wondering that question by the end of uh, season two. So I, I don't think the book is fully written on Lena yet. So it, that's a big, huge wait and see. Um, you know, I'm very curious on how it's going to play out. But I think Edge it could be a good front and center to be bringing together villains this season. Uh, you know, I think that'll be a fun way to watch that play out. You know, we saw him obviously connected to Bloodsport in this I was, episode. I was just going to mention that, too, so, when, when you said bringing people together, because that's actually 
he's the first villain we got an introduction to in this season, and we do see Morgan Edge uh, dealing with him in the end. Yeah, so I, I do think that's that's what we're going to see play out this season is Edge kind of building up Intergang, and you're going to see a lot of uh, Menas uh, working alongside Intergang, which is pretty common in the comic books. So I think that's exactly where we're going to see our villain pool kind of get pulled from a little bit. I mean, it's going to be all over, uh, you know, DC, you know, lore. But I think that's the way that's going to be the interconnecting point is inner gang. So. OK, uh, I do know with this episode, uh, we did see them kind of shift away from a couple characters this um, uh, in this premiere. We did get obviously we um, we got James Olsen, but no Guardian. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got John Jones, but no Martian Manhunter. So, uh, and I very can under- light, very even light on win this this episode too. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can kind of understand why they're doing that. Obviously, you want to focus on this this funk that Supergirl that Kara is in. Uh, but I mean, one of the good things about the episode is we already got glimpses of Chris Wood coming back as Monel. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might have been in flashback or dream sequence, but the fact that he is actually physically seen means uh, as you know, from a production's point that he is cast and he will be coming back. We already knew he was coming back. But if you didn't know that and you Chris Wood wasn't cast for this season, it would have just been a voiceover. Yeah. Uh, in the yeah. dream sequence, not right. him physically being there. I mean it was a, it was brand new shots of the character. It's not like something that they had in the past. You know, this was this was something new. So uh, and that made me happy to know that I'm sure they're not going to waste too much time getting back to bringing Monel back into the mix. And I think actually, you know what? Uh, I, I don't. This is kind of something that we're going to probably talk about a lot through these episodes. Is um, all these shows felt very light on their casts uh, for this this opening? Uh, very trimmed down versions of the teams. You know, if I feel like if anybody had that criticism that some of these teams felt a little heavy by the end of the seasons last year. Uh, and if that was a criticism, uh, the writers were paying attention. Uh, that was not a problem I was having, but uh, you felt that through every one of these premieres this week. Yeah, uh, yeah, that wasn't a problem I was having either. I, I had no issue with the number of people uh, in the cast. I-, I do have a couple questions about things, though, in particular Supergirl, because we did get uh, the introduction to one other character, and that was Samantha Aris, who we know at some point is going to become Rain. Uh, throughout the course of this show, but uh, played by Odette Annabelle, we did finally get the introduction to her and her daughter Ruby. So I'm very curious as to where they're going to go or how we know where they're going to go, but I'm very curious as to how the path they're going to take to get to that point. Right. And it sounds like it's going to happen very early on this season. I think we've even seen synopsis saying by episode four or five, uh, she's going to wake up and realize who she is. But I did love that little quick transition sequence we saw at the end where we saw her kind of morph into that character real quick in her dream. Um, and it looks like they're going full on rain. Uh, so I'm very curious to see that how that's going to play out, how it's going to look. But if that design is the way they're going to go, I'm actually pretty happy with it. I think uh, it was a, it's a great design. Yeah, I, I am too. Uh, the only other question I have as far as this season goes, and it, it's one of the things that we reported on when, when we did the news earlier on in the season, I think at some point over the summer, is we did get word that uh, Floriana Lima will be leaving the show, uh, so which made it interesting the fact that they're actually pushing the wedding storyline. So I'm very curious what direction the show is going to go as far well, as that go, the, go, that goes. I mean, you did see they build up a little bit of tension, but I, you know, like, you know, as far as, you know, I want the big wedding, I want the small wedding, such and such and such, 
you know, normal traditional relationship drama. But you know what? I think the maybe the way that it's going to play out is um, it may just be that uh, Floriana Lima is leaving the show as a um, a season regular. Maybe she's still going to be there for guest appearances. So okay, that's, that's very possible they could go that route, or she could be a casualty from Ray. So it's a uh, very curious on how they're going to play that out. So. All right, yeah. Um, so. What are some other things about this episode? Because I know you you gave it a hero, I gave it a hero, and I kind of gave my reasoning for the hero being I wasn't crazy about the tone of the episode. Uh, but what about you? What are some of the other things that might have led you to giving this a hero over a legend? Uh, you know, I, I think it was it was missing a sense of fun um, in this episode. I mean, it was it was a very good dramatic story that they were telling, and it worked. And they were not too heavy handed in anything. Uh, they did. They did handle and balance the story well. I, I just think for premieres and finales, mid-season premieres, mid-season finales, those four episodes are the most important that you can have for any season. And we're going to be a little harsher, I, you know. And you guys have probably heard this if you've been with us a little bit, like that we've actually tried to have more of an objective viewpoint on these shows uh, versus you know looking at it as a fan. As a fan, it was I'm just happy the show's back, you know, regardless. But Looking at this, I don't feel that this was a really strong start for the show. And it had kind of a weak ending last season, too. So I really want to see them, you know, pull it together, be prepared, be ready, face the criticisms of last season, and start with their best foot forward like they did in season two. It's so hard to compare to the way season two began with having Clark Kent. And this just felt very lackluster. Um, it felt like something I would expect that out of an episode four or five of the season, not not episode one. So I think that was the big problem. It was great to see Kat Grant in there again, uh, and I thought it was amusing that she's what Secretary of State now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, well, uh, no, I don't know, think she's Secretary of State. I think she's um, press secretary, I pre- like press secretary for the president or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Which I think was kind of great, but I love the fact that they found a way that she can be in the show a little bit more, whether it's just on the news in the background, things like that. And when she's, you know, Calista, like Flockhart's available, they'll have a way to bring her into the mix. But uh, it, it de- definitely felt very light, though, in, in comparison to what we've seen from what the show can do. And I really hope they get it around. But the one thing I got to compliment it on, one thing that was really missing from last season we did get to see in this was Alex and John um, having some really – great time together on screen that it was that familial bond that they had in season one uh we saw that really kind of front and center near the back half of the episode when you know alex asks john to walk her down the aisle you know which which i love seeing those moments because they play that together on screen so well and i'm glad that they're trying to squeeze that stuff back in yeah and i'm glad you brought that moment up too because believe it or not as much as i was not crazy about the tone difference of this episode as you've been mentioning too that was actually one of my favorite moments from this episode yeah was that the was fact was that, for me too yeah. yeah when she asked him about that um uh do have to mention uh one other possible th- or not possible thing but one other new introduction that we got not a new introduction of a character but a new introduction of a person playing the character uh is i thought it was really cool seeing erica dorrance uh in the show playing alora zorel mm-hmm. so for those of you that don't know erica dorrance uh was is a smallville alumni playing lois lane in smallville so and yet another Superman lore alumni coming back in which we've seen a number of them already at this point. 
so it's I'm I'm liking seeing all of them, and I'm wondering where they're going to go with with that as well. I, I'm wondering. I'm hoping it's not just dream sequences that they're going to use her for. Yeah, I, yeah, it's a big question on how that's going to play out. But yeah, I, I was I was really happy to see that they're continuing that. It's always great when they get to pull back from the old uh, old alum of these DC shows, and I think it's a special thing still about the you know the Arrowverse in general that it, it's. It makes you happy. It makes you smile. It gives you that great nod, and it gives you kind of that warm, fuzzy feeling. So, but yeah, I I got to say that was that was a great part of it too. So yeah. Uh, So anything else about Supergirl, the Supergirl premiere, before we move things over? Still no Streaky the Supercat. So I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna kick this down to a sidekick, guys. No, just kidding. (laughs) Um, Now, like I said, I'm just hoping that we we're gonna see something a much bigger, um, you know when the next episode kicks off uh, i'm actually trying to not watch promos right now you know i will do my best to post them up when i can we normally don't on the facebook page but i'm, I'm trying to now go in and uh, aside from the big news stories i think that's a better way to go because i want to be a little bit more um you know surprised on some of the things that are yet to come so okay yeah i, I can see that as well and i'm kind of i the way we watch these shows we don't usually have get the promos that air immediately afterwards anyway. So it's kind of easier for us to not watch the promos. Right. Unless it's, unless it's a big cliffhanger. Like, I did watch the one for The Flash coming up, the extended, which uh, had me cracking up because uh, somebody posted online. I'm like, you know what? That just looks amusing. So. Oh, see, I didn't even watch that one. So, so. I might have to now that, we, <laughs> now that you brought it up. Uh, but speaking of The Flash, let's move on and talk about the season premiere of The Flash this week. Uh, season 4, Episode 1, titled The Flash Reborn. Barry is brought out of the Speed Force to help fight an armored villain, but he isn't the same person. Uh, pretty much a very simple and to-the-point description of uh, this week's episode. So, uh, giving this... Oh, no, we already gave it our rating of, of Flash, of uh, Sidekick Hero or Legend. You gave it a... Hero. Hero, yeah. and I gave it a uh, a legend. Uh, so let's get into it and break it down a little bit. I have to say that um, we kind of forego the line of the week now. We, we tried that a little bit last week, uh, but if you heard in the introduction to... Uh, to the show today, our line of the week is now actually the line from one of these shows in which we're starting the episode. And I didn't even talk to you about this yet, but uh, for those of you who have already heard it, uh, Rob, you may, you haven't heard it yet because we're still recording this. Uh, but I chose the uh, does somebody speak Japanese? Does anybody <laughs> speak Japanese? line from the show nice i if, if not i would have went with this house is bitching yeah <laughs> so. yeah which i was debating on that one too uh so that that's what you heard in the beginning of the podcast before the podcast started so that's what we're doing for line of the week so line of the week actually came from the flash uh this week but i you know what i gave this a low level legend because just like uh, you know, Flash episodes of the past, I thought this was a lot of fun. I thought it was very interesting what they did with Barry coming back. We knew the way they were going to go with it in that he was going to be speaking in in a tongue that only Barry would kind of know what he was saying and nobody else would. Yeah, so. and there was a lot to unpack with that. I mean, um, I don't even know where to start. But I, you know what? The one thing, and again, I really loved this show. This is still one of my favorite CW shows, uh, you know, and DC shows and just TV shows in general. Um, I It bothered me in the same way that Flashpoint sort of did too. Um, but it's, you know, where we weren't as critical on Flashpoint, 
I feel a little critical here because it felt like that six months did not matter that he was gone. It really felt like that had no impact, no weight. Uh, and the return happened so quickly that they lost a chance to maybe do something very special, uh, really build up Wally. And instead they made Wally and vibe feel somewhat incompetent. Um, and that kind of bothered me a little bit. And that kind of carried through a little. I mean, I love the idea that Cisco just missed his friend and has been working on this nonstop. I mean, the fact that he even says, I've been working with Curtis and Felicity and Caitlin and all these other people to try to find a way to bring him home, um, which is a really touching moment. But, I mean, it's just the way that they even discussed, like, uh, Julian left. He's in London. Like, all these characters, you know, where, where did Harry go? Like, obviously, he went back to Earth, too, but there's not even a lot of discussion about it. And, like, when we do see, you know, Kid Flash and Vibe together, it didn't even feel like they've meshed that great as a, a team together, um, and which was kind of disappointing to see. It felt like a big backstep for Team Flash. So. Yeah, I, I can kind of see that. I mean, if if you have Wally and if you know if, if you have Kid Flash and Vibe working with the Flash over the course of six months, I can maybe understand how. Yeah, that they're kind of background people to to Barry. Barry's the one cleaning up the mess, so they they can still be a little wet behind the ears. But after six months of working together without help from Barry, you would think you would hone your skills a little bit better by this point. And it's uh, not like they, they've only been heroes for six months. Both of these have been. You know, know what they're doing and have known what they're doing for quite some time. So, yeah, yeah. But I mean, uh, but on the same sense and playing devil's advocate, uh, the character of Wally West and Kid Flash has always kind of been that brazen character. So I can kind of understand where where they went with it, where they're overconfident in in the way they approach things. So which is why they still kind of make mistakes. And it, it seems like they're still blue when it comes to what they're doing. So right. I can I can kind of see that I can kind of write it off a little bit when you look at what the characters who these characters are, uh, right? But it, but it, I will say though it was fun watching the episode begin and seeing uh, the return of Peekaboo come back as well, uh, you know, and seeing you know Vibe and Kid Flash have to chase after her and what actually working together eventually do eventually still pulling it off at the end with the help of Joe. Yeah, yeah, like so Joe and then Iris actually now kind of in command of Team Flash, which was I, re- I really enjoyed watching. Uh, very different style, though. It, w- it felt very different having her when she was calling the shots. Uh, almost very Drill Sergeant-esque, you know, the way that her uh, her handling of the team. But, you know, I do like the fact that they're, they're showing that she's got some serious leadership strength, which was really fantastic to see. I think it was a really great move for her character. Um, but it was not kind of what I expected as much. I... I it seems like we're going to get some more butting of heads between Iris and Barry, and I thought it was going to be more between Wally and Barry. So uh, I think it changed my expectations of what we're going to see unfold uh, early on in this season. So Okay. Uh, a couple – I mean there, there were definitely quite a few things that we did see come to light in this episode. I want to focus a little bit now on Caitlin. Uh, I know one of the things we had said to each other when the promo for the show happened is, Caitlin is this brilliant scientist. Why is she playing bartender? Uh, and I think we got a little bit of uh, a light shine on that this week. We do know there are some reasons as to why she was there. Uh, it wasn't just that she couldn't find a job anywhere else as a scientist. It was that there there is a little bit of an ulterior motive behind it. Uh, it looks like she owes somebody for something. Yeah. We don't and, know what that is yet, but I'm sure we're going to find out relatively soon. 
my guess is there a meta there's a meta that can help suppress her powers and i think that's maybe what it might be um and i think kind of like almost think like rogue in the x-men maybe that's kind of where it's leading and that's my guess currently but could very well be wrong so because yeah I, I don't know if that's the vibe that i got for, no pun intended that i don't think that's the vibe i got from this i got i got the vibe of whoever this was that was controlling caitlin uh caitlin had found a way to suppress her powers herself and become caitlin again and then she got herself in trouble with whoever this person was and so whoever this person was doesn't necessarily know that she's a meta i i could be completely off on that it could be what you think yeah, it, that's kind of like a, a little bit of a mystery. And I do – I will give this show a lot of credit though. Um, they did some really big unexpected moves in, in a episode one, especially for The Flash. Uh, there's always been a lot of mystery behind um, what's to come. And man, they were right up front with a lot of it. And uh, it, it was it's a big different shift in direction for the show. And I give them a lot of credit for it. I love the fact that they were not afraid to show you show us the thinker at the very end of the episode. And we know that's our big bad. I really was very excited that we're not waiting for some unmask reveal and it was boom. Here's the mechanic and the thinker. Um, This is what we're dealing with this season. And I'm like, you know, props to you guys. This is how you move a show forward. Um, And I want to see them play that out. I really want to see them play that out. Now, here's here's something I need to to bring up to you as far as the thinker goes, because I'm relatively new to the thinker. I know of him, but I don't know any backstory or anything behind him. When we finally see the thinker at the end of the first episode, at the end of this premiere, which I was not expecting, I thought we would get nods to him. But like previous seasons, I thought they were going to wait until a little bit further into the season before finally revealing who the big bad is. I mean, we knew who the big bad was going to be, but physically seeing the big bad, I thought they were going to wait until a little bit later. So it was relatively a pretty cool surprise to see the thinker at the end of this premiere. However, that being said, and not knowing much about the thinker and the character, I got a very big brainiac feel out of the thinker. Should uh, I have, or is that just me because yeah, of the way it, he looks? It's, it's I, you know, like I said, there's so many different design versions. If you if you're online right now while you're listening to the show, if you've got your you know cell phone handy or anything like that, just punch in the thinker on uh, Google. You'll see so many different character designs. Well, I think they put, did a great job blending these characters together. Search so. the thinker DC, not the thinker, because yeah. <laughs> you'll you'll get the statue, the thinker. Yeah, if you do it the um, other way, exactly. But I mean, like I said, there's a lot of different versions. I think they did a really great job blending the designs. I think it worked very well. They did something unique with it. So I, I'm really curious to see how that pans out and plays out. You know, obviously he's more of a the man behind the scenes that pulls these villains together. And my guess is we're going to see maybe almost kind of a rogues group kind of pulling pulling together. Um, with the thinker behind it all, it, exactly how we see in the comics. I wouldn't be surprised to see that Peekaboo was attached to this in the beginning. Um, you know, we had Samuroid come into play. Uh, you know, this episode as well. But I, I think it's going to be cool to see that um, kind of play out uh, over some time, and, and we'll see how that works. But I, I think this was a great tease of what's to come, and I'm actually really happy that they were not afraid to take that risk and say, "Boom, here it is on Front Street." And uh, just watches this, uh, you know, uh, pretty much evolves over the rest of the season. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, like I said, I got that that vibe. But when when you give a name to a villain, 
Uh, you know, we know that DeVoe is the name of the thinker, and I always get the impression that this is somebody who can kind of blend in with the crowd, you know, out there. Like, kind of the same way, you know, Savitar in S. Well, Savitar, it was a little bit different because of who it was. But, uh, you know, when, when we had Zoom, Teddy Sears could kind of, you know, Hunter Zolomon could kind of blend in with the crowd when he wasn't in costume. The Thinker is a very different villain in that sense, is that he is somebody who, uh, he's, he's behind the scenes, and he, that's where he always is. Yeah, correct. So this is going to be definitely something a little different for me or as far as the Flash goes, too, as feeling as far as the villain goes. But I'm really looking forward to it. I, I'm really curious to see where they're going to go with this now, especially after finally seeing the thinker. Yeah, and I'm, you know, I'm right there, too. I'm, I'm actually now very excited because it's not a speedster villain. That's amazing. I love the fact that it's not a speedster villain. It makes me so incredibly happy. Um, but I love it's as their tagline for a lot of this season is that f- the fastest man alive versus this, uh, you know, this, you know, fastest mind alive, I think is the, uh, the tagline of the season. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I know one thing we missed, uh, I know this is jumping back to Supergirl again. Um, but I want to, I want to get it now. Uh, again, we're, we're jumping back into the format that we're used to. So it's, it's not, it's not, below par if we miss something <laughs> yeah uh but we usually tend to tell you what the fu- what next week's episode is and i completely just remembered that we didn't tell you about supergirl at all um so just real quick uh supergirl season three episode two is titled triggers a thief with psychic powers attacks national city uh and proves to be a formidable opponent for supergirl uh and it doesn't say anywhere in the cast who this villain is that's that's coming in this thief so it'll be curious uh to see who it is so sorry, I just wanted to bring that up oh, before yeah. I forgot. Yeah, I completely forgot that we did that too. Yep. But like I said, both of our brains are 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 definitely not thinker speed. Uh, you know, they're 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 more like Wally West in the show currently. So yeah, and brash looks, brash dive into the show, and I'm like, oh crap, we forgot to do something. It looks uh, like um you know IMDb because I'm looking at next week's episode of the Flash too, which we'll get to in a, in a minute or two. Uh, but it looks like IMDb is doing a good job of shielding what is coming up for the next episode. Uh, we're not seeing a lot of lists. It's really only showing a lot of smaller characters and characters we've already been introduced to. So I'm very curious to see if IMDb is going to keep up with that. And if they do, I'm excited because now the season is a mystery. Yeah, and um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm good with that. If they can do that as long as possible, man, I am all for it. But uh, yeah, like me too. I got to ask you though, too, because you know the fact that we're bringing up the thinker. What did you think of the design for his character? Uh, again, like I said, when I first saw the character, I got a very big brainiac feel. And when I did get the brainiac feel, that's what I meant. I meant from the physical standpoint, not from like mm-hmm. the, the the character standpoint, because the character standpoint, we really haven't gotten a taste of the character as of yet. Just yeah. a guy sitting in a chair, uh, you know, turning around, very Thanos esque. Uh, except not as big and brash as Thanos. Uh, but again, I got that Brainiac feel physically from when I saw the character. But I like the design. I think the design is really cool. And if we can't have Brainiac in these shows, I think this is the next best thing. Yeah, it's it, it's it, he actually looked very formidable, actually. I think they did a really good job on the suit design. Uh, he had that kind of almost Charles Xavier, like X-Men, uh, you know, like 90s X-Men. Um, looking like kind of like wheelchair that he was kind of sitting in. So the question is, are they going to kind of keep him e-mobile or mobile? It's, you know, because we've seen both versions of the thinker in the past. So uh, I'm very curious on how it's going to play out. But yeah, 
Uh, so uh, let's get to the big stuff. So the return of Barry. Um, what was your takeaway on that? Uh, I kind of agree with what you said a little bit in, in the beginning of this discussion in that it was done relatively quick. When when we were talking about this show uh, over the summer and we were trying to figure out the way this show was going to work, I was actually okay with the idea and looking forward to the idea of maybe seeing a two or three episode arc in the beginning of this season. And whereas the storyline is kind of split, we're seeing some of the stuff that Barry is going through in the time force or even not, <clears throat> excuse me, and keeping that a mystery, but seeing almost Wally stepping into the fo- stepping into uh, the, the footsteps of the flash and seeing what this is like for the team having, you know, Wally being this, this city's flash. Now we got a little bit of it, but it was so quick that I just kind of, it was almost like, all right, we need to get Barry back as quick as possible. Let's kind of throw this out there, and then we'll bring it back. I'm not saying that's not okay. This show is about Barry. So to get him back as quick as possible, that's what a lot of fans want to see. So I understand why they did it. But me as a fan of these characters, I almost would have been okay with, like I said, going to maybe episode three, not seeing Barry, not seeing Grant at all. Or, you know, maybe showing uh, – give us a little bit of time with him out away from the team. Like he comes out somewhere completely different and is trying to restart his mind as far as who he is. Show a little bit of a struggle there and then focus on Team Flash as the other part of the episode and have it come together at the end of episode two, start of episode three, whatever that may have been. Um, give us, you know, give us an appearance, but not too much. Yeah, and like you said, like not kind of like snap right out of it immediately. Spend an episode or two, you know, Barry dealing with his mind coming out of the Time Force. I, I would have been okay with that too. I think another thing that kind of threw me off too was the fact that, yes, while it's awesome that Cisco made a new uniform for Barry, and I understand why he did it because he was obsessed with the fact that Barry was going to be coming home. Why would you not make a new suit for Wally? I mean, he is the guy that's kind of the Flash now. Yeah, yeah, I, you know, I would have, I would have loved to have seen that myself too. It was great to see Wally in the Flash suit, um, if even for one run. Yeah, just a, one single run, but it was, uh, and it, it felt like it was this really great nod to his future. Still, that he will be the Flash one day, but it was, yeah, it was very quick, very lackluster. Um, but I will say, the new Flash suit, oh, it looks good. It, it looks does really good. It does. Um, but I mean, again, it, like, you know, like I was saying, like, why would you not uh, if you're Cisco and you and, you know, as Vibe and Kid Flash are the ones help, you know, are now in charge of helping this city because Barry's not there anymore. Wouldn't you think Wally needs a new suit for, first? Yeah, but you got to admit, though, too, the, the Wally West Kid Flash suit. Is, oh, it's it's still awesome. It, it, it's so great. I don't I wouldn't want them to change it up yet at this point. I, I would have at least seen it red for a little bit. Yeah, that would have been cool. I, I love some of those designs we've seen out there. People just changing up the color scheme of that suit and being kind of like, hey, you know, this is his version of the Flash suit. I would have loved to have seen that, too. Yeah. If you, Yeah, if even just for like an episode or two, you know, or just the beginning of this episode, see Wally in the red suit. So that and it's not necessarily because you're making Wally the Flash, but people of Central City are used to seeing that red blur and you know why not give the people of central city that comfort with barry not around and let wally wear a red suit yeah no i'm I'm right there with you i think that would have been the better call uh i think that was a misstep here too and and one of those things that kind of made me dock some points on this episode when i was trying to figure out where it fit 
And again, it was the handling of a lot of the Kid Flash stuff was a big, big part of it. And that has nothing to do with Keenan Lonsdale. I think I, I love him in the show. It just didn't feel like they knew what to, or how to write that situation. And they, they kind of sped through it a little too quickly. So Yeah. I do know one other thing that I I did have a little bit of a complaint about. Not necessarily a complaint, but a criticism of the show. And it's me, personally. It's not anything having to do with the story or anything else. Is that this was an episode without Tom Cavanaugh. Yeah, he was uh, really, really missing. And like when we said earlier that, you know, the the casts felt light across a lot of these shows this week. Man, Kavanaugh's presence missing, Julian's presence missing. You know, it, it felt weird. Something just felt like it was just not there with this this season, or not this season, but this premiere. And uh, I, those those two people and their presence being gone after being so used to them for the last, you know, you know, Kavanaugh since the beginning, and now with Julian being around since episode one of last season. Uh, yeah, scaling back that much felt odd. Yeah, 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 for sure. So it's uh, it just goes to show you how big of a presence Kavanaugh is on that show. The fact that he wasn't there for one episode and we knew it. Mm-hmm. So it, it it'll be interesting to see where they go. I, I'm very curious as to how they're going to bring back, um, you know, bring back his character because I I personally I I can't wait. Until we get another version of Wells. And I want to see what version of Wells we're going to get. Well, I think I'm pretty sure it sounds like it is going to be Harry from uh, Earth 2. And they did say we are going to see another Wells sometime this season. But I think Harry is still going to be our primary focused one from what I understand. Yeah, because I know Kavanaugh has said we will see a different version of Wells. So it's but I think you're right. I think Harrison from I I think Wells from from Earth 2 is probably what we're going to get. Right, and uh, I do know he's got a uh, Kavanaugh's directing an upcoming episode very early on this season. I want to say it's like episode three, uh, so it won't be long before we see him behind the camera again, um, or seeing the fruits of his labor from that episode. So, yeah, that'll be fun because the last episode he did, which was what the Once in Future Flash, was one of the best ones yet. So, yes, it was. Uh, but yeah, so I'm really excited to see that play out. I, I think that's great. Now, there's one thing I you have to bring up in, in Barry's insane ramblings that we saw when he came out of the Speed Force was uh, there's two references that kind of lead us to some things that are on on the horizon. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised. You know, he, he makes the makes the line. He's like, we're going to need a lot more diapers, you know. And they're like, yeah. And that's a nod to the Tornado Twins. Uh, Barry and Iris's kids that are uh, connected to the Speed Force, I think. I think we're... But maybe before the end of the season that uh, we might find out Iris is pregnant. I would not be surprised about that. That'd be uh, interesting if that's a route that they go. I mean, especially considering they're they're just getting married this season. Yeah, I mean, and they're getting married mid-season. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if that maybe is a little nod at the very uh, end of the season this year that we, we get a nod to that. But uh, then the line of, uh, you know, it was that simple. I did not kill anyone. Uh, could be a nice connection to the trial of the Flash that may still happen this season as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with that because that is a big, huge Flash story that uh, a lot of longtime comic book readers know very, very well. And I'm wondering if we're going to see that this season too. So uh, if you watch that sequence of him just rambling and rambling and rambling a couple times, you'll pick up a couple things that seem like they have nods to what's to come this season. So. That'd be kind of cool. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing uh, where that falls into play. Uh, but uh, one character we haven't brought up was uh, Papa Joe. 
Uh, Joe West, uh, obviously one of the things that's going on in that as well is uh, it was great to see that familial bond with him and Iris being front and center. We got one of those classic Joe West moments again, which I are always some of my favorites. It's kind of funny. We talk about Supergirl with, uh, you know, John and Kara Cara and John and Alex. Um, I love those moments in these shows. And I'm glad that stuff was not missing here in uh, the premiere. So, yeah, uh, I, I jumped ahead a little bit to to see what episode it was that Tom Cavanaugh will be directing. Uh, and it will be relatively early on, episode four, uh, which is going to be airing on Halloween night. And the title of the episode, again, it looks like they're giving him a lot of fun episodes. Uh, Elongated Journey into the Night. That's right. That's the you know, that's the first introduction of Ralph the, Dibney will be coming in episode four. And it sounds like man. they did say it sounds like Ralph is going to be Barry's nemesis. So... Uh, you know, in a in a fun way, it sounds like he's going to be a brash kind of frat boy esque character that is just insanely smart. And uh, I, it was great thinking about the fact that because of Dibney's intelligence in the DC world, he's known to be like one of the smartest people there. Uh, they always we kind of put him in the ranking of the top three is usually Batman, Lex Luthor, and uh, the Elongated Man. So he'll be an interesting character to see help Barry go up against the thinker. So I was going to say, is the elongated man? You said he was going to be his nemesis, but I, I was going to say, wait a minute. The elongated man is a hero. He is, but I think they said it's Barry's personal nemesis. Ah, uh, not as far as a bad guy, but it is the fact that they just don't work well together, I guess at the, the very beginning of the season. So it sounds like we're going to see a lot of butting of heads, which will be interesting. So, gotcha. That makes yep. sense. So, um, Anything else as far as the Flash goes uh, this episode? No, I think we I think we kind of really covered all the bases as uh, as far as what happened here. It was uh, I will say the, the the samurai suit looks looked really cool. I loved it, <laughs> and I love um, the naming of samurai. Yeah, and I was just kind of like them struggling to find a name, and it was just kind of like cool. We got it. All right, and then it was just kind of like nope, that's a rough draft. That sucks. Um, but I love that they finally got back to those moments, and it felt like everything did come together like a normal Flash episode, much lighter, a uh, lighter in tone uh, than we saw last season. I think they're already showing their, they're dialing back how dark the show is feeling by the end of last season, um, and I think they're they, a lot of the criticisms that they had. I think they were addressing up front. Uh, again, it's just uh, I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that they they rushed through what could have been a couple really good episodes, same like they did last season. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, it looks like, too, they're going to, jumping again to that episode four, it looks like that's going to be the first appearance of Danny Trejo. Yep, yep, Breacher. Uh, as uh, Breacher, will be, yep. Yep, will be uh, making his appearance in that one. So uh, Kavanaugh gets to have all the fun that week. Yeah, so. <laughs> yep, absolutely, for sure. Uh, but jumping ahead to next week's episode of The Flash, uh, it's going to be titled Mixed Signals. Barry deals with the ramifications of abandoning Iris while facing a meta who can control technology. So, should be fun. And if you haven't watched that promo, uh, one of the things that we do see, which is why I recommend watching it, because it's pretty damn funny, is uh, the new suit's got an obscene amount of upgrades in it. And uh, you see Cisco went a little overboard, and it, the whole promo was watching the new suit malfunction horrendously. Like, it expands into a giant bubble, and it was like, why is that there? <laughs> like, I don't know. What if he goes underwater and needs to float? It was these little things. But they do some cool things. Like, they actually have, like, these yellow tints that drop down over the eyes now, too, and some other cool things. So I, I think we're going to see a big showcase on the new suit going awry next week and i think that'll be a lot of fun i have to watch this promo 
yeah, it looks <laughs> it, it looks very amusing. So, uh, all right, next up we have uh, season three, episode one of Legends of Tomorrow, titled Rubicon. When the Time Bureau relives. Uh, the, uh, relieves the legends of duty. They must steal back the Wave Rider when Julius Caesar is spotted in Aruba. Uh, so, uh, obviously, at the beginning of this episode, we see that the legends, it kicks off right where the season finale left off and that they, they land in Los Angeles. Is it Los Angeles? It's, it's Star City at some time. Uh, Star City, yeah. I don't know why yeah, I said Los Angeles. So. Uh, I think it's Star City present day, but time is kind of meshed yeah, and, and they, they broke everything so <laughs> yeah but we see it relatively pretty quickly corrected thanks to you know rip and the um and the time bureau yeah uh another problem that's happening across these seasons man concepts that you, they're like you could do so much with they're like nope we solved it and i'm like okay what's the season gonna be about um <laughs> That 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 scared me a little bit in the beginning of this, but uh, they had some fun with this one. They really did. Yeah, I, I think so too. And I think you know what? I, I'm kind of okay. While last season we were curious of when we saw the way this episode was going, when we saw the the way the last season ended, we were like, okay, where are they going to go with this? This is awesome. I'm kind of okay with it the way they wrapped it up in one episode, mainly because of the fact that you left it so wide open at the end of the at the end of season two. Where do you go with this? And you figure with the future of the show, you have, you know, the crossovers and everything coming up. You kind of have to have this situation wrapped up before you go into those crossovers. Yeah, because it's, other, it's necessary. Yeah, because otherwise time is meddled in all these other shows at the same at the same time. So you kind of have to correct this situation going before you get to those crossovers. So wrapping it up in the in the premiere the way they did. I'm actually okay with it. Um, it's very very similar to Flashpoint. Flashpoint has to be corrected as soon as possible, as or as best as you can, um, before everything else happens. Because if not, it, it damages the continuity across the shows. Yes, so. I mean, and and with this one, you know, again, <clears throat> excuse me, I had a point and I completely forgot what it was. So My now bad. I'm just <laughs> so now that. I'm just rambling on, pretending like I was talking like I was going to. Um, no, I mean, you know, like you bring up Flashpoint, and it's it's kind of the same thing in that yes, the big situation that we were left with at the end of season two has been corrected, but there are still residual effects, and that's what we're going to see going into this third season of Legend. It's what we saw going into this premiere episode with Julius Caesar being on the beach in Aruba. This is a time uh, I don't even remember what they called it uh, because Mick couldn't even remember what it was called. That was one of the funniest parts of the show, too, was when he kept calling it something completely wrong. And um, anachronisms, anachronism. Yeah, I think I think you're right. Um, You know, but with these anachronisms, we found one that the Time Bureau missed in being Julius Caesar on the beach in Aruba. (laughs) At a toga party, which was fantastic. And even better, the person that played Julius Caesar, I can't remember his name offhand, but he was an actor from Spartacus. So I thought that was even even better casting. So uh, Simon Simon Morels, I, I think, think so. I think, yeah, that's I think it's the name yeah. of the, the character. Um, so I'm wondering, and I, IGN kind of hit the nail on the head with this, because uh, I got this vibe too. And when I read IGN's review, I was like, okay, that's pretty spot on. Uh, 
it's a real Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure kind of thing now. Yeah, and it, I, it really kind of worked, and I, I think that's something that they haven't tapped into yet. Um, but it, that's exactly how that felt. It felt like that classic scene where you see all these people out of history in the mall that's causing chaos. And uh, if that's what some of this season's going to be, man, I'm so all for it. Uh, I, I love that fact that, you know, I think that I loved their new motto. It's, uh, oh, crap, you know, I just completely forgot what it was. <laughs> um, it's just like we screw things up for the better. <laughs> I think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, and I yeah I can't remember exactly what it is, too. But, I mean, again, the lightheartedness of the show was back immediately from the start. So I was okay with that. I, I'm very curious to see where they're going to go, though, speaking of the future of some of the characters. We did get a little bit of news. Uh, it most recently, it was posted to the Facebook page about one particular character. I don't know if we want to bring it up now or if we want to talk we about it. We might as well news. because they nodded. They nodded already right off the bat. Yeah, because so. I kind of – we watched the episode. The episode aired before this news came out, and which makes me believe that they, they knew – this already they were waiting um, to, they were waiting to make the announcement until after this premiere aired i think i think the discussions apparently happened close to seven or eight months ago so they've known for quite some time so. uh, but yeah you're right they they kind of nodded at it and funny enough watching this episode it was something i kind of had a i kind of got that feeling watching this episode so you can tell they they kind of wrote it in and they wrote it in the right way and it's going to make the future of a particular character very interesting because now I don't know where they're going to go with it. Uh, but what we're leaning towards is that Martin Stein, uh, Victor Garber, is leaving Legends of Tomorrow, which sucks because he is a great character. He's a great addition. He's such a veteran actor that to see him play with all of these younger actors has been amazing. Yeah. So, um, And I'm really looking forward to even more so now – uh, the possibility of going to Atlanta for Heroes and Villains because Victor Garber is a guest this time. Oh, wow. So now I kind of want to meet him. <laughs> yeah, it's going to maybe one of your very few chances. Um, yeah, oh, yeah because because once this is over, he's going to Broadway. He's not going to have time for these conventions. Yeah, the reason he, he was leaving is uh, I guess he, he did Hello, Dolly years and years ago, but they're doing a revival, and uh, they really wanted him to be a part of it, and that's always been his big love has been Broadway, and he would be uh, pulled in to do six shows a week. Um, so that was, they found that it would be impossible for them to find a way to work with him and be able to continue on. So that was a, that was a big key thing. And he said it was a very difficult call to make, but he said it was, uh, he said he loves being on the show, but it was a, uh, it was time. It was, I guess it was time for him to move on. So Yeah, I mean, and again, he's been a great addition to, to the show, so it is going to be sad to see him leave. But, what does this ha- what does this mean to the future of Firestorm? Yeah. Um we uh, Victor Garber was, you know, Martin Stein was the interior of Firestorm. He was the mind inside the the body. So uh, we're still going to have Jax, but I can see one of two things possibly happening with this. Either one, you have to find somebody else who's going to merge with him. Uh which is a very strong possibility because I believe Victor Garber is going to be with the show throughout the crossover. So we could meet somebody in the course of the crossover who could take over this mantle. Or, and this is the lesser of the two, do you write off Jax too? I don't think you do. I think what's going to happen is I've got one of two names I think that are going to be the the new part of Firestorm. Um, It's going to be Martin's daughter. It's going to be Lily. Or we're going to see Robbie Amell come back. I would love to see Robbie come back. 
Um, I don't think it's going to be Lily. Lily's going to be a new mother. Yeah, She's not going to be true. able to do that. I mean, that's, you got to remember, that's one of the reasons that they're writing off Stein is that he's yeah. leaving to be a grandfather. Yeah. Uh, why would you write off somebody who's leaving to be a grandfather but bring on the mother? Well, they did mention a little bit that she was – there's a high chance of her being a season regular. So uh, when they did talk about her contract, so I'm wondering if she's going to have more of a role to play than we, we know. Uh, so that's a high ability. But I think one of the things that would be very cool to see would be uh, if they did bring Robbie back or if they went with a new character, I would love for Jefferson to be the voice inside the head and mix him up a little bit and that, uh, make him be the lead, uh, the, the mind behind the, the, the brute strength. So. That's that's true because if you bring back Robbie, who do you make the face of Firestorm? Right. Because uh, they, that's what that was Robbie's role before. Yeah. So it's a big question, but I would love to see Robbie and Mel get get an opportunity to come back to the role. Um, you know, he's still been a big part of uh, you know Fan Fest, and he still loves the, that character so much, and he has such a passion for it. And he always and I mean, as as to we still haven't played the audio of it yet because I'm still trying to get it. But when I did the the panel with him and the other legends and and the Flash panel. Uh, that was one thing he always jokes about on stage is that he loved being on that show, but he's no longer a part of it. So, like, why am I here? Uh, you know, why am I on the stage? And he constantly makes jokes about it. Uh, people ask, like, what was your favorite episode? And he always says, like, the one I was in. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not – if you could if you could come back to – if you could be any character on the show, like, what would it be? And he's like, uh, Firestorm because I want to come back. So, I mean, there could be a push for him to return to this character but again like you said like what does that do to the character like who becomes the face of firestorm if it happens but i would love to see him return right and i it would be interesting you know if they do go that direction um but then all of a sudden the, the tone and the feel of the show does is going to change uh you know martin being you know the older voice of reason in in a mix of sometimes these these insane insane minds that clash um it would. It's. It's going to be missing that father figure character, and uh, I wonder how they're going to fix that. Yeah, I, I am too. But it, it's going to be interesting. So uh, I think one of the other characters we need to discuss too, in the what the future opens up, and I have a little bit of an insight to this mainly because I, I've, I've gotten to speak to this person about this. Uh, but we didn't see any Adam with um, with Ray Palmer this season. I loved seeing him as kind of like the underling of a, of a dating app, which mm -hmm. I thought was a fun, fun little nod. Like, hey, you know, you may have been Ray Palmer before, but this is what happens when you turn your company over to a woman who like runs it into the ground. And it's kind of a good point. It kind of made us remember like, hey, Palmer Tech used to be a thing. Yeah. And it's now it's kind of been written off on the show. Right. So, um, you know, it, it was kind of interesting to see that and see him kind of take that on, you know, kind of having he's almost like the intern of this place. Right. But I know. Sorry, I have a cat attacking another one in the background. <laughs> my, damn. Um, but we're, we're going to I know we're going to see the Adam suit return. It's just a well, matter it, of when it, it was in the episode. <laughs> it was. Yeah, well, it's uh, he. Oh, that's right. He was under the book. He was under the book. Because the book starts moving, you're like, what is going on? And you're like, oh, there you go. It's Ray. <laughs> oh, so completely ignore everything I just talked about for the last minute. It was a very quick moment, though. It was, it, we're talking 30 seconds in the suit 
That was about it. Yes. So. Uh, I do know that we're going to see some, again, talking to Brandon Routh about this, we do. We are going to see some improvements to the suit. We're not going to see any major modifications from Cisco, uh, which is rather unfortunate, especially considering the crossover. Uh, but we will, uh, he did confirm that we will see the suit do something that it hasn't done for a while, and we will probably see it uh, in a much bigger way. I think we're going to see Kaiju Adam again. So, <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. I have a feeling we're seeing Kaiju Adam again sometime soon. So, uh, which will be cool. I would love to see that. I would love to see that. So, <laughs> Kaiju Adam. That's uh, awesome. Uh, but yeah, you know, like I said, I, 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 one of the things I really, I thought was great though is I they, they played with this originally last season, and I love that they kind of did it again in a fun way. Uh, you know, obviously in Doom World, they all had these kind of BS jobs, but seeing them just trying to just live in the normal real world, and it's yeah, you know, Sarah working at a, you know Bed Bath and Beyond, pretty much. Um, <laughs> that was pretty damn funny too. Uh, you know, and Jack's dropping out of school, as you mentioned, Ray working for for basically a Tinder app that's swipe up or swipe down, um, and uh, yeah, it was and it was just kind of fun, and then just you saw Nate just chilling in central city and and working how... with wally which was a cool a cool little nod to see somebody from the flash come over but i love the fact that they all kind of established themselves as their here as heroes in their city and he, it was just kind of like hey i'm the uh I'm, I'm i'm the number one hero in this city uh nobody really knows who the hell i am though or i'm the number two you know it was kind of fun uh one thing i gotta say is holy crap uh nate uh you know steel really got jacked up for this season <laughs> yes um, he did he was about three times larger than he was last season and i'm like holy crap it was crazy looking at him because there was this scene when they're on the uh, beach and his, he's wearing a shirt sun's out guns out and i'm like <laughs> i was like holy <laughs> crap dude um maybe lay off the creatine just a little bit <laughs> but uh yeah he he was massive and i was that was a big big character change for him on and how how much he bulked up over the last season so yeah yeah for sure um i'm trying to think i mean this is one of the tough things that always comes into play when we talk about this particular show is that these are always kind of like episode of the week kind of things but it feels a little different this time and that it i think we're going to get a overriding or an overrunning storyline i think we're still going to get those episode of the week episodes but the the underlying storyline is going to be something continuous. Right. Uh, and- or was this just a setup to those episode of the week kind of things? Like, okay, we have to set it up. Now how are they going to get the Wave Rider back? Now they have the Wave Rider back. So now we can go back into these episodic kind of stories. Well, I think what we got, which was uh, we got a tease of it at the very end where we did see Amaya, uh, you know, back in um, you know her village back in the 40s. And we saw a very, very overpowered vixen at the end of the episode. And we have seen that one of her ancestors is involved somehow with all of this. And that's a really big key thing we've been hearing about. And it sounds like that is the big bad of the season, not vixen. But I think it's uh, somebody in her ancestral line. Uh, Because we've never seen vixen dump out like eight spirits at once and us take out a horde of people. Yeah, that was kind of cool. So... I have a feeling that's what we're going to be seeing very soon, and that's going to be the big, big focal point. Uh, I got to ask you though, because we didn't really talk about this, was it as difficult for you to watch Rip Hunter really turn on the team like that and be in his right mind about it? Um, 
I don't know if it was difficult. I, I know that we he he did turn on the team, but we've seen him turn on the team even worse, kind of when he was with the Legion of Doom. Um, but that was really not his own choice. This it was just a very odd moment, and it was true. Like they did kind of address it in the show. And it was just Sarah's like, you left and left this in my hands. And he's like, yep. And then about five minutes after I leave, you destroyed the universe. Um, and it, there was a lot of hate behind that decision. And it just felt kind of out of character even for, especially because of how things were left um, with him leaving the team last season. It, 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 I don't know. It's something about that did not sit well with me. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know if it's necessarily turning on the team. I think it's been six months' time. He's kind of a little bit of a different person. He's in this mindset of, um, you know, this time bureau. But even at the end of the episode, I kind of got the whole sense that he's okay with it. Because even as they're leaving, you know, he doesn't necessarily try to stop them. Right. You know, they're in the time. They're in the wave rider. They're on their way. And it's kind of we almost kind of get that moment where you know he kind of looks at the looks at the screen and he's just like. You know, like go get them, guys, but without necessarily saying those words, obviously. Right. So That's I, true. I'm okay with the fact of the way it ended. I don't really think I wasn't disheartened by the way that he kind of turned against him because I don't. I don't really think, in sense, he did completely 100% turn against them. I think he was just kind of in a mindset that he's been in for the six months, and he kind of needed a refresher. He kind of needed to be reminded, like, all right, these guys have their own way of doing things. It may not be traditional, uh, and it may not always be the cleanest of senses, but they get the job done. Yeah, and again, too, we know it wasn't six months. I think they mentioned he built the Time Bureau over a course of about five years. Um, and as far, like, as far as the agency, it's it's been a project of his for some time. Obviously, time travel makes that very... I, I said six months because that's what the oh, yeah. shows are at. So yeah. Just, it was in my head. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. But as, as far as all that, I mean, it's and it's an impressive feat for his character in the five-year time to basically rebuild the Time Masters from scratch. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it was a little... It, I, there was just something about it, though. I do know what you mean, and I... He, you know he definitely cares about these people still um but even kind of like you know them training on the uh the p- new students training on the wave rider i'm like this is what they did this is how you should never do this you know um it, it just felt i don't know it, it just felt very different and i i it it did not sit great with me but I, I i see what you're saying as far as by the end of it they do feel like things go back around full circle yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm looking ahead at future episodes, and I'm seeing because I wanted to look into a little bit more of what you said about ancestors of Vixen, and I don't know if I think Zari is a new character we're going to be introduced to relatively soon, but I think she's a new hero to the Wave Rider. I don't think she's right. an ancestor of Vixen. Uh, she is actually Zari is better known as Isis, uh, yes. who's usually the wife of Black Adam. Uh, so she's definitely part of the Captain Marvel family of all things. So it's great to see her coming in. So Captain Marvel or Shazam? Uh, well, Captain Marvel and Shazam are, you know, uh, let's not open up that can of worms. That's too long of a discussion. <laughs> all right. Ca- think of it as the rock of eternity stuff. You know, the Captain Marvel family, which is Black Adam, Shazam, the Billy Bats and stuff, all that jazz. But yeah, Isis is, yeah, has direct ties to all that stuff. So. Okay. All right. Um, Anything else before we look to the future of next week for Legends of Tomorrow? No, uh, that does about it. Uh, that does uh, just about does it, really. I think. 
Okay. So. Uh, so as I mentioned, looking forward to next week. I am looking forward to next week for one particular reason, uh, and that is because, well, first off, it's called titled Freak Show. The legends attempt to fix the acroni- anachronism in 1870 that happens to be P.T. Barnum's circus. Not P.T. Barnum. It's Billy Zane. Billy Zane it's, is destroying time. <laughs> that's, that was what I was going to say. I'm looking forward to seeing Billy Zane, the demon knight himself. I as, love him. So do I. I'm such a big fan of Billy Zane. We haven't seen him do much lately, so to see him pop up as P.T. Barnum, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be worth the entire episode alone just for that. So, But, yep, that's uh, that's what we're looking forward to next week. So one final show to talk about this week, uh, and I'm kind of glad this one's last because, in my opinion, I, we're, I think we're going to be at some odds on this one. Um, as if we didn't spend enough time on the flash, <laughs> on the flash, probably going to spend a good amount of time on this one too. That would be arrow season six, episode one, Oliver deals with the fallout of the explosion on the, on the Island episode itself, aptly night, aptly titled fallout. Uh, first things first, one thing we have to say, uh, uh, this is another James Bamford directed episode. Oh. Love seeing Bamford. Behind the director's chair. I, in the director's chair. Oh, and the action sequences again. Dear God. I, the, the shot where you think Oliver in the very beginning sequence is going to drop down and he comes he up comes out of the water. He comes out of the water. Oh, Dude, it's I, so gorgeous. He, this show has set itself apart for the action sequences that it has. Um, I mean, and let's just jump right into that scene. This is the scene that sets the tone for the episode. It's the scene that jumps right into it. We see Oliver coming out of the water rather than from, you know, from the sky or from the rafters or whatever. Uh, We get to see Wild Dog in a completely new uniform. Very quickly. It was hard to see. Very dark sequence. But uh, a great, great looking new suit, though. Yes, uh, we see Mr. Terrific. We get to right off the bat see some awesome use of the T-spheres. Which is really, really cool. Uh, so right off the bat from the start of this episode, obviously one of the big mysteries is who survives the explosion on the island. And right off the bat, we do know of a couple already. We get obviously Oliver as a survivor since he wasn't on the island. We do know that Curtis survived. We know that Renee survived. These are the three characters that we see right off the bat. We also see Diggle. So we know Diggle survived. But as we later find out in the episode, Diggle survived, but he's not unscathed. Yeah, um, it seems like he's got either some damage into his arm and seems like some serious PTSD going on. I think it's a little bit of both, honestly. Yeah, uh, I think he's got some tissue damage because we do see later on in the episode he's got a pretty nasty scar. Um, so I think there's some muscle damage there that kind of prevents him from being who he is. And I think you're right. I think there's some definite PSD in part of this because let's not forget Diggle was a soldier. Yeah. So this is could be a big reminder of things he had been through before, and this could rekindle a lot of feeling that he's had from war. Yeah, uh, uh, and, uh, yeah. And, and his shot is the shot responsible for hurting Renee. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, so uh, there's a lot that came out of this episode, but I want to I want to jump right into one thing in particular, and that is you only gave this episode a hero. Yes. And I want to know what some of your – before we get into a lot of the positives, because I'm, I'm sure that we're going to be talking about that. I want to know, because I gave this a legend, what are some of your criticisms of this episode that made you only give it a hero? All right. Now, bear in mind, my score, if I was giving this a numbered score like we normally do for like – you know, You'd probably be at a seven. Uh, I, I Yes. I would say if Legends I gave a 7.6. Uh, Arrow got like a 7.5. Um, the big criticism for me was – 
it was a couple small things that really bothered me quite a bit is um and I think a lot of it has to do from us doing the show and reading a lot of articles and interviews. Um, one of the very big key things they said right off the bat was, we will never, ever, ever kill Thea. They said Thea is a character that will never be killed off in the show because Oliver has lost far too much. So that really damages for me uh, knowing the fate of her character. Um, I think I would have rather have seen them try to take some more risks with what happened. Everybody seems like they made it out of this fairly unscathed, minus, you know, Diggle. Um, you know, we everybody knew uh, it was going to be clear as day that uh, William's mother was going to die. Um, I probably, and I think you and me both agree, both of the Alcool sisters made it, made it uh, out of that regardless because, yeah. you know, they're like cockroaches. They don't die. Um, and you, you and me both agree that Katrina Law playing this has been always a great highlight of the show. We only got to touch and skate the surface of Talia. I'd love to see him actually get a chance to develop her more down the road. Um, and I, I just feel like for such a, such a huge, gigantic moment that they could have done a lot more with, um, too much happened between the finale of last year to the lead-up of the show's return where too much was revealed uh, and uh, the risks that were there uh, that they could have taken were very, very light. And I think that really kind of made me feel a little bit disappointed. Uh, within five minutes of the show, we saw basically the outcome of everybody, with the exception of Thea. Uh, well, I, but, well I the mean, majority, the majority of at least, you know. Well, not only, but but they also kind of revealed that uh, a couple weeks ago, in that they said yes, it was a little bit of misinformation and it was a little confusing because at one point they said we wouldn't know, and then they came out and said, well, we'll know the you'll know who survived by the way when the season starts. Um, so we kind of knew that it was coming, that we were going to know who survived this. But I think Thea's fate is still up in the air. I don't think it's decided yet. Well, I mean, like I said, this is coming from Guggenheim and Wendy Merkel like just several weeks ago. And they said, we will absolutely never, ever kill her character off. Uh, they said that is basically they, they have that written in stone. They said that will never happen on the show. Um, um, which. Uh, so having her I, in a coma for most of the season may be the case, but they're. And even if they were to kill her off or keep her incapacitated, again, this is kind of like the certain characters that they use as a punching bag on the show. Uh, you know, like I said, we've seen it. The Black Canary characters, just, you know, the uh, you know the Land Sisters get killed off numerous times. Thea's died, you know, all these little things. It, it's I would have rather than try to take more of a risk elsewhere. Uh, I, I think that would have been wiser. Uh, instead of kind of falling back on certain characters, and I think that was that's the problem I'm really having, is um, and that that was what stuck with me and bothered me the most uh, out of out of it is I really wish they would take some risks with other characters. Well, here's my thing about Thea though. Um, I kind of feeling, and I've gotten this feeling for a while, um, and it's sad to say, but I kind of have that feeling that Willa Holland just isn't committed to this show. I have a feeling that's much the anymore. case too. Um, um, and they don't want to write her off, unfortunately, probably because she's been such a big staple as far as building that show into what it is. And th that's one of the reasons why they're just afraid to write her off. Plus, it, you know, it's it's another loss to, to Oliver. And he's already lo this character has already lost so much as far as this goes. But I just don't think she's committed to the show anymore. So you kind of had her away 
a lot last season. This season, this is their way of saying, okay, she's still a part of this story, but she's not necessarily here. Right. Um, but I also think this is a good way to introduce Roy Harper back into the picture because we do know Colton is returning to the show in some form or fashion this year. Right. So what better way to have Red Arrow, you know, that team member filled than to bring Red Arrow back? And my my brain is saying, because they did say we will find out who Vigilante is this year. They said that as a definite. And my mind is now pointing towards uh, that being uh, Roy. So uh, I don't know, because Vigilante has been kind of against the team at certain times. And I don't think Roy would go against the team. It also depends on what's been happening with this character, too. So we've we've also seen in if you've watched Young Justice, a, you know, a character that's gotten very fed up with things and it's changed his opinions. And Arsenal is not a fun character sometimes. Uh, so it's possible things have, have switched. I up keep saying I keep saying Red Arrow. I know it's Arsenal. I'm just so used to it. Well, he, being it was Red both. Arrow. There was Red Arrow. Then it was Arsenal and all this other stuff. So it's it, it's a big question of what they may do with it all. So. Um, yeah. I, I do know if they make Roy vigilante, um, I'd much rather see him stay vigilante than Arsenal. But Arsenal is such an iconic character to the Arrow story, though, that how could you not bring him back as Arsenal? That's very true. Um, but yeah. yeah, I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with it. But I, I think that was a big problem. Actually, I the other one that I actually, you know, I, they were doing some decent things, but there was some really rough writing, and it really kind of bothered me, was the... Some of the sequences between Ollie and uh, William, uh, I thought, were a little rough. Um, you know, I you know I know it's sometimes it's difficult to find the right balance, and there were some scenes I think that were incredibly well done, but for every good one, there was another bad one. Uh, you know, this kid looks like he's about 13, 14 years old, um, and they're giving him lines that sound like are com- should be coming out of a six or seven year old. Uh, you know, like who's the bad man? Stuff like that. All these little things. It is. It played very odd on screen, and I don't know if you felt that too, but some of those things were, I think, poorly handled. Um, I, you know, some, like I said, and I not saying all of it because some of it I think was amazingly handled, but it was a, there was a it was a poor balance I think on some of those sequences. Yeah, I I didn't get that feeling, but I mean, I I was a person who was I I think it was brilliantly handled the way they were. Uh, handling the relationship between the two of them and the tension between the two of them, that if there was really any negative aspects to it, like that some that just didn't kind of fit, I was just so overtaken with the positive response that I didn't really think about the negative. Right. And I, the positive is there. It's, you know what, when you're, you think of a 13 year old person, uh, you know, you know, kid, the reaction is going to start coming more from a start of a place of anger or just, just straight up resentment. Uh, And they, they, they're treating it like almost like a, a six year old with a nightmare. And it, it it didn't feel as believable, uh, and I think that kind of hurt. I think the impact that that sequence could have had could have made it a little bit even stronger. So, yeah, I, I mean, I can definitely see that. So I, I'm I, I wasn't too thrown by by the relationship that they were building between the two of them. Uh, I, again, I was actually kind of a big fan of it. So I I liked the way that it was handled. And you're right, they did kind of treat it as if it was a nightmare. This is a kid's version of PTSD. Absolutely, um, and I think this is a, a, a thread that we're going to maybe see a little bit through this season, which I do like the idea of. Yeah, I mean, it, you're exactly right. So it's, it's we're going to see, you know, we're, the way Diggle is handling things. It, it seems like some of the characters, though, I, I would like to see as the season progresses that actually this event has affected a majority of the characters. Some of them we haven't exactly seen yet. We've only seen how this has really directly handled Diggle and... You know, and Oliver's son. So it's 
we're seeing the way it's affected them, and we haven't necessarily seen yet the way this has affected Felicity, the way this has affected Curtis, the way this has affected Renee. Uh, we are, and I, we haven't even talked about it yet. We haven't even touched base on it yet. But I love when they go into. It's sad to say because he's such a great character uh, that you want to see good things happen to him. But he's such a brilliant actor that I love seeing Paul Blackthorne struggle with Quentin. Oh, I, I mean, because he can pull it off so well. Like you, really, he's such a brilliant actor. He was the MVP of this episode, without he, question. Without question, he was. He's he's such a brilliant actor that when he plays tragic. You feel for him so much. Like when when Laurel was first killed, you know, his version of Laurel was first killed. His the emotion that he brought to finding out his daughter died. Man, I, I teared up watching that. That was my moment of that episode. And now seeing that he has seeing what he's going through with the inner struggle of knowing that, yes, it wasn't his daughter, but he shot Laurel. He had no choice but to do it. Um, and then telling everybody that she was under all that rubble, uh, you know, and that she died on Lee and you. And now she's very much alive, obviously, is what we're feeling. And now he has to face the fact openly to everybody about what happened. This inner struggle that Quentin is going through, Blackthorne plays it so brilliantly that I cannot wait to see more of this. Yeah, they, and they started kind of peeling back, the, I think, the very first layer of Dinah Drake in this episode which is something I was incredibly critical of last season. I know a lot of people are like, oh, she's great. I'm like, how, how can you have an opinion of her? They've done nothing with her. She's been such a character re- relegated in the background of season five um, that was this kind of felt like they threw into, like, shoehorn uh, another Black Canarian. But it feels like we're going to start seeing something from her uh, this season. I think they're going to – and I think this is the season we're going to really see um, – you know, some a really strong dynamic now between her and Paul Blackthorne's guy, and, you know, Quentin. So I'm really happy to see that play out. I do think that uh, they're going to have a very tough balancing act this season that they're going to have to play because you can see the redemption angle already starting with si- Black Siren, and that is going to be a big core focus of this season. We know she is going to be a big bad through the thick and thin of a lot of this, but you can see the groundwork has been laid. Um, and it's going to continue very heavily this season. But uh, it makes me a little worried that we now have a Black Canary and a Black Siren. What happens when, if they do go through a full redemption angle, what that means for Dinah Drake's character or what that means for, you know, Laurel from Earth 2, all these things. And that's a really dangerous ground they could have a difficulty with. And that was another thing that kind of ticked that box for me. That's like... This is setting up potentially a very sketchy, dangerous situation for the season. And they have to play this very carefully. But it did leave me a little concerned. All right. Um, I do have to say, though, when it came to that moment of seeing, you know, um, Black Siren and Black Canary kind of facing off, uh, I loved the whole new uniform, huh? I would have gone with the fishnets. Yeah. Which is a nice little nod to the, you know, to the The original. Yeah. to, To the original Black Canary. Um. But yeah, you're right. It's going to be very interesting to see where they're where they're going to go with this. I, have we? And correct me if I'm wrong, because there's there's so much information out there that I I might just simply be forgetting this. It might just be slipping slipping my mind. Do we know if there is a big bad for Arrow this year? Uh, we do. Um, we don't know who I think it's really going to be. Uh, I, okay, they may have mentioned it, but so much has come out over uh you know 
summer break and it's hard to remember. <laughs> uh, the question is, uh, obviously, we get a little bit of a nod or a tease to it near the end of the episode when we go back to Lian Yu in the flashback uh, when we see somebody reaching out to Laurel. Uh, we don't know who that is. We didn't see any faces. Just kind of a, a just a shadow on the ground, and that was it. Uh, so that's a big question. That's a very, very big question on uh, what that's going to be, who it's going to, uh, how it's going to play out. Uh, you know, we do know uh, what's his name from Lost in Person of Interest uh, is Michael Emerson. Michael Emerson is in the mix, and maybe maybe that's his character. We don't know quite yet. Um, you know what? Actually, uh, you know, as we kind of wrap up our era discussion, I can do a quick. Quick Google search, uh, era season six villain. Yeah, yeah, because I knew that we were we were getting Michael Emerson, and we know he's going to be a villainous character. I just wasn't sure if we had known for a fact yet that there was going to be a big bad of the character, right, or of the season. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm and I'm glad it wasn't just me that forgot that. Yeah, it's okay. It's uh, we I'm trying to see here. Oh, it's Richard Dragon. Um, that's who it is. So Richard Richard Dragon is the big bad. And it's, um, I think it was Kirk Acevedo. He was in 12 Monkeys and Walking Dead, I believe. So. Gotcha. Okay. All right. That makes sense then. So it'll be interesting to see where they're, when that character is going to be introduced Mm -hmm. into the show. Because all these other shows have kind of. Well, no, because Legends didn't introduce anybody yet. Yeah, yeah, like I said, uh, you know, that's, that's still a big wait and see. Uh, one character we didn't talk about yet, though, uh, was, again, the continuation of Slade Wilson in this. Uh, and I love that we are back to that early relationship from season one with these two characters. Um, yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, that was that one thing I, I, I love Manu Bennett. Uh, he is one of those characters that and, you know, his portrayal of Slade has been so fantastic and just feels like so on point and pin perfect in this show. And I love that father-son dynamic that him and Oliver kind of have together. And the fact that they're going to allow that to continue to grow this season, I think, is was a great, wise move. Because you know they're going to be at odds with each other at times. And that's uh, that all can play into it. So, um the other possibility that just kind of clicked in my brain is who else Vigilante could be. Because uh, we do know that's going to get peeled back. And that could very well be Jericho. That could be Slade's son. Because so, we do know Jericho ultimately becomes a member of the Titans at a point. So that could very well be who we're, uh, we're going to find out. So That's that's an interesting possibility. So another theory um, out there. So I will say, too, and I, I, I hate when I do this because I feel like I'm pandering a little bit, but going back to the panel I did with uh, Josh Laguerre, Echo Kellum, and Rick Gonzalez, I actually brought up one of the things that we've mentioned on the show to them, and Josh actually, who, who played Adrian Chase, actually complete, actually agreed with me on this uh, when we went back and we had said that it would be an interesting take to never see the reveal of Vigilante. Because uh, Josh actually had said during that panel that when he first got cast, he read every Vigilante comic book because he knew he got cast as Adrian Chase and Adrian Chase was Vigilante. So he went back and did all this research on Vigilante and then the producers told him, well, wait a minute. Why? Why are you doing this? Um, he's like, because I'm Adrian Chase. He's like, yeah, but Adrian Chase is in Vigilante in our show. And he's like, what the hell, man? He's like, I just did all this research and I shouldn't have done it that, that I didn't need to do. Uh, but he did say that after reading all of that, and then I, I revealed on stage that it would be interesting to never see Vigilante revealed. He actually agreed with me. He thought that would have been a cool, uh, a cool take on the character to never see this character's uh, true origin, uh, 
you know, the person behind the mask shown. Uh, and now that we're finding out this season, we're going to know who Vigilante is. While I'm excited, there's a part of me that's also a little disappointed. I understand that. I, I think that's kind of a – it is a yeah, really cool twist and take. But you never know. That very well could really be Adrian Chase because we do know that, you know, Josh Scarra's version – was using was not Adrian. Was his name really was not Adrian Chase. I can't remember the character's real main name because that's what we called him all season long. I think they only dropped yeah. his real name like once or twice total. Um, but yeah, it, I'd be very curious to see. We did get mention of another uh, new DA uh, that was also going to help uh, uh, that helped Ollie actually get another hearing for Renee to get his um, daughter back too. So which was so cool. I, I love seeing. I, I, Renee is a very rough around the edges. Character. I love this character, though. But but seeing now that like he does have a heart deep, deep buried deep somewhere in that all that ruggedness, and it's seeing like how excited he was now that he's going to get a shot, another shot at being with his daughter, is, is such a great moment of that show. And it was again one of another one of my favorite moments of that show. Yeah, um, of this episode. I think the the last thing I really have to I even say this season, you know, season premiere for Arrow was uh. It felt like we got we got much more of a confident version of Curtis by the start of this. We we saw very little of him, but when we saw him in action, man, he felt like Mister Terrific instead of somebody that had a hard time holding his own. Um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to watching that evolution of his character too. Like I said, I you know my review, like even seeing it's a hero, very high hero. It's small nitpicks, but I think that could cause larger problems down the road. That's really the reason for that score. So, okay. Uh, before we move on to everything else, there is one last thing about Arrow that we need to talk about, uh, and that is the last 30 seconds of this episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> the, uh, the identity of Arrow has been revealed to the world, and I am extremely curious how they are going to handle this. Uh, because we did see that uh, in it has been broadcast on the news that Mayor Oliver Queen is the vigilante Green Arrow. Yeah. Um, where do they go now with this? Does he? Because uh, this is something that's kind of been touched upon before, but then he 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 had the help of Roy before uh, to kind of play it off a little bit, so he can be in two places at one time. Uh, or was it? Dig- it might have been Diggle that helped him at that yeah. point. I don't know, but he did. He did have. Yeah, help. it was multiple times. Like you know, I, but you know what? This does now open up the avenue, and that's the great thing though, too. Is Roy Harper left the city and fleed because of they? Everybody believed he was the Green Arrow, and now that they, it's not the case, uh, it's a safe city for him to return to. So, yeah. So I don't know. How do you do this? Do you do you just kind of correct this situation as you have before and say like, well, yes, I was wearing a Green Arrow costume, but I am not actually the Green Arrow. I was on my way to a costume party. Like, wh- what do you do with this now? Where do you go with this? Or do you pull a complete 180 and you issue a press release and say, yes, I am the Green I, Arrow? I would like to see them steer into the swerve, you know, like steer into the curve and just do it. Uh I want to see them not be afraid to evolve. And I think this could be a kind of a cool thing to do and just to have him outed to the public. Uh, if you really think about it, in the Arrowverse, none of these characters are publicly known on who their persona is. And I think that would be a really cool thing to see that happen here on Arrow uh, and maybe change some of that. I mean, like, you know, obviously there are characters out there in the DC universe that people do know their alter egos. Same with things like, you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
and uh, the Marvel comic the, universe. This, so. this, in essence, could make Oliver the Tony Stark of DC TV. It might. It very well might. And I would really love to see them not be afraid to to make that call and add a new wrinkle to what this season is going to be. Because, again, they've got a lot to live up to from last season. And I think changing and shaking up your formula as much as they're willing to do of Oliver being a father, but now being an, an open and outed hero and what that means for his son um, could actually create a really interesting experience uh, for the show and for the drama of the show, because this is kind of always been a crime drama at, at, at its heart. You know, it's got a superhero and like flair, like, you know, kind of laid over it, but it's, always been a dark crime drama more than anything else. And I would love to see them not be afraid to make that call. Okay. Yeah, I could, I could see that as well. So it, it'll be interesting to see the way this plays out, uh, but I'm definitely into it. I, I, I hope they steer into it. Like you said too, because that would be a very interesting take on everything. Uh, I got a big question before. Uh, well, actually, why don't you give the synopsis for next week? Then I got a question for you. Okay. Uh, next week's episode, obviously, episode two is titled Tribute. Anatoly is returning to Star City with a sinister agenda as Oliver tries to balance being the mayor, the Green Arrow, and William's father. So, uh, yeah, going to be cool seeing Anatoly return to the show as well. Yeah, um, so now the fact that we're at full speed. Uh, all four shows have aired. What was the one that you need to watch the episode two of more than anything else right now? Oh, man. Um, well, it's not Legends because Legends didn't really leave me with anything other than like, OK, we're going to be back to the episodic next week. Um, Supergirl was fun uh, and we got a lighter hearted moment at the end. So I- I'd be curious to see if they're going back into the 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 happy go lucky Kara that we know. Uh, it's a toss up between Flash and Arrow. And if I had to just instinctively go with one, um I'm going to go with Arrow. I'm with you. Uh, Arrow, I'm with you. Arrow is the one I really need to see episode two more than anything else. Yeah. I mean, like I said, you know, uh, I, I do think every show had a, a, a great start. Uh, it, you know, I think Supergirl is the one that struggled the most. And I think that's the show that's been struggling the most uh, in uh, the Arrowverse. And I, I don't know if you agree with me on that. And, you know, but I will say, you know, as, as happy as I am that all the shows are back. Air is the one that's piquing my interest the most. You know, there was a couple problems, but I, I have a feeling that they're going to have a very interesting season. If I've got to put money on I, it, I think it's going to be Flash and Arrow are going to be top dogs this year. I, and I, I agree with you on that, too. And I think what it is is, you know, you look at the final moments of those two episodes. And yes, with the Flash, we got the thinker and we were like, oh, that's really cool. We got the introduction to the thinker. But Arrow, man, with the whole reveal of Oliver being Green Arrow, that was truly one of those moments where when I saw that, I was like, holy shit, what the hell is going to happen now? And I think it's it's that reaction that kind of stands out to me that I'm like, OK, yeah, I I Next week, I, the one episode I'm looking forward to watching the most is Arrow. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, you know, and I think the reason I'm saying the Flash and Arrow as well and all of this, you know, Supergirl now knows what it wants to be. You know, it still has a hard time with it, its biggest thing, which is the, the main plot of the season, which I hope is the big change this year. Is we have a really, you know, well-designed plot throughout the season. Um, Legends, there's no question we know what that show is. And I think that IGN, as you put it too, that Bill and Ted uh, you know, idea is exactly right. And I think that's the right call for this show. The Legion of Doom like season-long story last year was so much fun. But 
Flash and Arrow are making massive changes to the what we think of the show. And I think they're going to be the big ones to watch. I really do. Yeah, agreed. And I, you know what? I think this is something fun we should do every week, too. Um, is after seeing the the current week's episodes, which show are we looking forward to seeing? Which which one, like which episode three do we need to see? Do we feel we need to see yeah, more? Yeah, I do like that idea too. So I think that can yeah. be fun. Um, but uh, we we want to hear what you guys thought of the week of the shows and the return of their premiere. So uh, be sure to use the Facebook page and let us know. Comment and like comments and uh, post comments and on everything that we post. Let us know what you thought of these premieres of all these errors uh which one did you like the best which one are you looking forward to the most next week as as well as we just revealed as well uh but let's head towards getting out of here and we got a little bit of news to touch on so let's do that and when he says a little bit it is a little bit it's not not a lot <laughs> happened this week uh i think with the the shows all coming back i, I think everybody was riding the high uh, and uh, it's kind of hard to put news out when you're going up against the brand new Last Jedi trailer and the ticket releases that happened this this past like this past Monday, uh, and which we have. Uh, and it was harder than expected. Not a shock, but hey, <laughs> sites didn't crash this time, so hey. Uh, no, they did. They did oh, they later. Did. I had. Um, I think our, our listener Shad actually had trouble getting on the Fandango because Fandango crashed a little bit later on Oof. in the evening. Yeah, ten seconds. Ten seconds. Our entire theater sold out. And we all had our seats in the cart, and so did the same other people. So, uh, yeah, we lost our spots. Every time we reloaded, we saw all the seats we were trying to get just completely go away. So, uh, <laughs> so much for a 7 o'clock showing on Thursday night. And uh, we will be pushing it. We, we got 9 it. o'clock it still works. You know what? The important part is getting out into a theater before people have time to message what happened. Exactly. That is key. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. So uh, we'll talk a little bit of movie stuff, and then there's some light, light discussion for TV side of uh, things. But uh, let's talk a little Justice League because, man, we're only about a month out, guys. And uh, I think everybody's starting to forget that a little bit. So uh, I even have to remind myself as well. Uh, But uh, Ben Affleck did talk a little bit about some of the differences of what it was like working with Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon and their take on it. So uh, I'm going to read you a a little bit about the interview, and it's just broken into some stuff. Um and this is as far as uh, his, you know, having his some praise for Josh. And said Josh brought the movie, uh, you know, brought to the movie what good directors bring, which is good taste, uh, a sense of what's going to work in the story, what isn't. That is an instinct for realism and finding the humanity in the characters, the humanity in the conflict, then making it accessible and relevant. That is key. I think that's one of the things he did so well with the Avengers. Frankly, he really defined the tone. It felt like a lot of the movies after uh, that sort of fell into that tone that he created. It was very, uh, it was a very tricky dance when you have all these people who can do all these fantastic things that are completely absurd on the face of it, and yet a good storyteller like Joss brings us in, makes us identify with them, makes them seem real, and makes it interesting. A lot of guys know the comics. A lot of these people that have those knowledge, uh, those knowledge base as well, and that. Uh, you know, what Joss has is, is a massive talent for bringing these characters to life. Um, and then as far as a little bit more went on as far as uh, handing over the directing duties to the Batman to ward the Planet of the Apes helmer, uh, Matt Reeves. And uh, he, he kind of goes on to say this, you know, uh, he said, I wish I had the gift uh, he has for identifying what's the most compelling human drama in the context of superhero conflict. But he has a very sharp mind for it. He knows exactly what he wants, almost with a surgeon's kind of precision. He focuses in, 
beat by beat and how he's going to tell the story exactly where he'll be editorially, what the tenor of delivery of a line should be like. He gives you comfort because he felt like he has a very clear idea of what he wants, what he expects, and most importantly, what he thinks is really going to work. Uh, you know, he said as far as, uh, you know, the comparison between things, he's like, you know, uh, I think we're focused on the characters in the story that allow the, that to dictate the style naturally. But they both have strong senses of style between Joss and, uh, you know, Zack Snyder did. Uh, and they, they did definitely differ. He said, but nonetheless, um, all this created and pulled together from editorially and how they've done everything with the reshoots shoots definitely made this a lot more compelling than we thought we had originally. So it sounds like uh, the reshoots and everything that Joss did really did help change the tone of the film in a big way. So, uh, all right. So uh, some interesting other things also came out, and this is actually coming out from Jason Momoa, and he wanted to set expectations really quickly for everybody as far as Aquaman is concerned. Uh, and this is the first we're really hearing about this. He says the Aquaman that everybody is out to meet in Justice League isn't even Aquaman yet. He's like, he is not the king of the seven seas. We don't even really get there until the solo movie, at, you know, at the end of that solo movie at that point, too. Really, it's a huge growth piece for this character. It's a gigantic arc for Arthur Curry, and it may be tough for a lot of fans who know the character, the classic version, uh, to watch because they're going to see how I betray, uh, portray him. But you've got to wait until the solo movie to really get to know him in depth because, again, he is not the king that all these people think of. Uh, this character does not believe in himself. He doesn't know what to do with the powers he has. Uh, and he says he goes through a ton, a ton of loss. He said the, the version that you will meet in Justice League hates the Atlanteans. The people that are calling him Aquaman right now, he couldn't give two shits about anything about uh, anything Atlantean at all. He's not even quite. He's just not quite there yet. So this actually does sound very tied to some of the versions we saw um, after the one year later story that happened in comics years ago. A mixture between that and uh, the new Fifty Two, so and I think this is the right call. Uh, so, well, 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 not only not only that, but it kind of even stems a little bit into what we were talking about last week when we were reviewing the the trailer. In that, I had mentioned that, with the exception of Batman and Wonder Woman, we were seeing new, fresh versions of these characters, like characters that are still trying to kind of come into their own. We saw, you know. Uh, Cyborg is so relatively new. We saw the, you know, Barry uh, tripping, running up the steps. And it was something you had mentioned, too, that, you know, with the exception of Aquaman, who we probably has already been well established. And now we're finding out, you know, through what Momoa is saying, that he's just as fresh faced to being a hero as Barry and Cyborg. So it really is just Wonder Woman and Batman who are the veterans putting this team together of people who are new to this. Everybody else is in year one, which I really like. I I do, too. I I think this is going to be a great play on Aquaman uh, and so yeah it's how putting this together if you think if you know the the history it sounds like obviously he knows he's an Atlantean um, and he's got a lot of hate to it that probably means uh, that Ocean Master is the one in control uh, so I think that's what's going to happen I think you're going to see the in his solo film the war between uh, you know everybody on the ground versus the Atlanteans being the big key component of this all or that war spreading that kind of forces his hand. So I think, you know, we're going to see a, a very hard edged version of Arthur, Arthur Curry, which has definitely existed in the comics for a very long time. You even saw it in the justice league animated series. I think you're going to see that version, but not quite ready to lead yet. And I think that's a great place to start this character. So yeah, he agreed. did, he did finish this statement off going and says, you know, the big thing is it's, it's figuring out the origin where the story goes. And they said, 
trying to tell it in one story doesn't work. But he said the great thing about Justice League is you get this taste of who this person is. So when it hits his solo film, you already have a really solid idea of who this character is and what he has to do to grow into the classic. But they said, if you go into this film and say, that isn't my Aquaman, he said, don't worry. It will end where you think it's going to. He said, I can promise you that. So uh, so it sounds like by the end of his film, the, the classic Arthur Curry that you may want, sounds like you're going to get it. So Good. Um, you know, as far as the last big thing, talking a little bit about uh, Justice League, and then there's actually a nice little tie back to Aquaman as well. Uh, actually, you know, let's do the Aquaman thing uh, real fast. Is um, We know Ocean Master is going to be the, one of the big bads in it. And uh, the character of Trench, if you've seen them uh, before in the comics, which is another classic character. There is a production shirt out there uh, that I guess some of the cast and crew are wearing. And we do see the mask of Ocean Master. And it looks identical. It is wonderfully designed. So if you are concerned, don't be. It looks like they went spot on and are giving us a great interpretation. Uh, but as far as uh, the final thing, as I mentioned with Justice League, uh, it sounded like originally for a while there was going to be two names on the director's credit, but it sounds like uh, they've opted just to uh, treat this as uh, Scott Snyder uh, is going to be, or not Scott Snyder, sorry. Zach, I was going to say Zach Snyder? Zach Snyder. Scott Snyder is a comic book writer, but uh, uh, Scott Snyder is, uh, you know, is, uh, ah, I did it again. Zach Snyder <laughs> is getting the credit for, for directing the film. Um, and it sounded like the reasoning a lot was for that, too, was just because uh, he kind of helped build this whole thing from scratch all the time in post, uh, you know, pre-production. And he has even helped with the transition. And I guess just this is, I think, Warner Brothers saying thank you for for what you've done for us so far. And I think this is just kind of like his last bow, you know. So. I mean, as long as Joss, Joss is getting some kind of credit, oh, yeah. I, I'm fine with that. Yeah, you're definitely going to see you're going to see his name in there. But I think when it, you see that splash screen says directed by, I think you're going to see it is it'll be listed there. But you'll definitely see another credit there for for Joss in there somewhere. Yeah. So, um, so we already did talk about Victor Garber leaving to go back to Broadway for Hello Dolly, but other news did happen for Legends of Tomorrow, and that is the return of John Constantine. We do know we are going uh, to see Matt Ryan make an appearance. We don't know if it's a single episode or multiple episodes, but uh, we will be seeing Matt Ryan return to the trench coat and red tie sometime this season, which I am incredibly excited about. But it is 100% I, I, official at this time. I can't wait. And when we posted that news story, uh, it got a lot of traction on our Facebook page. So that just goes to show you that a lot of the viewers are ex- just as excited about this as we are. And uh, the great thing is this actually came out of uh, Phil Kleber, who's the showrunner for Legends. And they said, you know, what to expect for the third season. So, you know, we get Billy Zane in the circus in the second episode. We get a little Julius Caesar on the beach in Aruba in the premiere. Uh, he's like, we need meet the new team member Zari in a sort of dystopian future. Then we get to do this great little Amblin alien episode back in the 1980s, which we now know is a uh, Dominator, is the one that uh, Nate, or not Nate, uh, Roy, ah, Ray, <laughs> I can't talk today, my brain's so fried, that Ray befriends that causes uh, damage to his future. Uh, he said, then they, we will actually see a little bit of Jack the Ripper, Victoria, and London going on, the Golden Age of Hollywood, and then John Constantine will be doing an exorcism, so... 
Uh, that's what we know is coming this season. And, uh, and I will say this. We did talk about this the other week. We are not going to read synopses for episodes week weeks out. We'll touch upon them, you know, after our reviews normally for what's to come the following week. So, but if there is something big or a character that's revealed that is a big shocker, we will bring that one up. So don't be afraid. We'll we'll keep that stuff coming. But that does it for the news. Cool. Um, so, oh, yeah, sorry. Actually, you know what? I missed one final one. That's my bad. Uh, well, too uh, late. It's, it's already gone. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. But no. It's, anyway, it's uh, Kilgore, uh, which is a um, a technology based villain. Uh, normally, it's considered an alien, will be making an appearance in The Flash this season. My guess, again, tied to the thinker. Well, so. and I think it's also this coming week, too, because the synopsis for this week is um, he faces off against a meta who can control technology. So that could be this one. That, so. could, that could be this week that we're getting the introduction to that character. Yep. So I think there's going to be a number of different characters, especially if the you know with the rogues gallery that we're going to be introduced to. Um, Throughout the course, uh, before we we jump into cheap plugs and everything, I gotta say one big nod to Gotham. Uh, for those of you that are still watching the show, and for those of you who are fans of Drew Powell, like we are, uh, the teaser for this week's Gotham shows the backside of Solomon Grundy, and just from what you see in the promo, he looks fucking awesome. I cannot wait to see the big reveal. Of Drew as Solomon Grandi this week. Um, and a big quick shout out to Drew too. Uh, as Rob, I don't know if you saw this or not, but the video we did for Extra Life uh, mm-hmm. and the stuff that we did giving away and, and things like that. Um, we tagged, you know, Drew and, and FanFest and a bunch of other people and Robbie and Talia. Uh, Drew was awesome. He lived up to his word and he shared it. Yeah, he on, did. On his Facebook page, which was awesome. So, um, I don't know if he listens to us or not. He told me at one point he did. I don't know if he does. Uh, but just in case, Drew, you're the fucking man. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, yes, while we may not watch Gotham and talk about it on a regular basis, I'm so excited to see you as Solomon Grandi this week. Uh, I did I'm, watch the... Oh, good. I was just going to say I'm I'm stoked for his premiere of this character. I am too. And I have watched a couple episodes already from the start of the season. I am enjoying it. Uh, see, I told you this season's a little bit better than last. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a nice start. I I haven't you know I'm not up to speed. I watched the first two though, but I, I can say I am enjoying it. Okay, uh, so cheap plugs, and then we will get out of here so both of us can, can get some additional sleep. Although I'm awake now, doesn't really matter. Uh, but um, as we mentioned before, our Facebook page for DC Primetime is, of course, facebook.com slash DC Primetime. You can listen to me on my other podcast, the Showcast Spotlight, which is our celebrity interview podcast, uh, which can be found. On our face on our Facebook page for Next Level Podcast Network, which is next uh, Facebook.com slash next level radio online, or on our website, which is where you can find this podcast, that podcast, and every podcast the Next Level Podcast Network has, which is next level radio online.com. And as for me, you can also find me at that very same website, which is obviously I'll just repeat that again, is nextlevelradioonline.com through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods. We did our recent episode, which was the pirate episode that came out a couple weeks ago. Um, I do apologize. There is some audio issues in that episode. It's kind of funny. Some of it sounds fantastic, uh, but it was because we are working on some brand new tech. We did a live stream of it so you can watch the back half. I think when Ben gets some time, I think we're going to try to cut together the first two parts of that i think we do have the first part filmed and uh we're gonna try to maybe cut together some of the puns that came rolling (laughs) out it's gonna be a long job but 
it's really in the first part of the uh, episode. So uh, next episode we'll be doing soon will be our Halloween episode, uh, which we'll be doing very close to the end of the month, which is coming very close. So that needs to start planning soon. But uh, yeah, lots of ha- stuff happening for both of us. But the most important part, and this is the recommendation for everybody, is Extra Life. Extra-life.org. Uh, Everybody, guys, we are unfortunately well behind where we expected to be at this time. Uh, I know there's been so much going on, but please bear in mind uh, that these these kids are impacted by every one of these hurricanes that have happened. Uh, There are children's miracle hospitals everywhere across this country, and they really need your support. There's so much happening now, too, in California with the wildfires. Money that you go uh, give to this charity goes right to these hospitals, and they need it badly right now. Um, so please, if you can, go over, search our names on that little search for player spot in the upper right-hand side of extra-life.org. Simply type in Ben, B-E-N, space Beck, uh, B-E-C-K. And when you find Ben's name, just click on that little donation link and make sure in that message you can put any number of money you want, but for 10 bucks. It's one raffle ticket entry for $50. That is 10 Uh Like I said, I have actually already hit my goal, so I would like to just spread the love right now. But like I said, you can always search for me as well, which is Rob Space Martin. Uh, and uh, like I said, just make sure in your message, write DC Primetime, that enters you into the raffle. Uh, we only have a couple more weeks to go. We are under a month away. Uh, but now is the time. Uh, watch that little video on the Facebook page that shows off the prizes uh, thanks to our friends like Drew Powell and Brian Roll over at Odyssey Art. Uh, you know, we have that great Talia uh, Ricci Silver Banshee uh, print done, as well as the Robbie Amell Firestorm, also signed by him as well. Uh, then that nice little headshot of uh, Drew Powell with Aaron Richards signed by Drew, and that fantastic Solomon Grundy Stay Gold mug. <laughs> uh, it's the only, it's the only, the second one that only exists, and will only be the second that ever exists. The only other person that ever drinks from that would be true himself yep. so uh just be be known that you have something special so uh but please 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 whatever you do share that let your friends know uh, even if they're not into dc shows just share the love any way you guys can uh because this is for an amazing cause it's kind of funny too because out of all the prizes that we have uh, as, as somebody on the outside uh me personally i think i would probably be more excited to win that mug yeah, uh, with the headshot. I mean, because the artwork from Brian is fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but you can buy that. I mean, you can if you don't win it, it's something you can buy, and you can go and get autographed from one of the stars at some point. Um, the Drew Powell mug, as you had mentioned, there are only two in existence. There will only ever be two in existence, and the only other person who has the other one is Drew himself. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's that's a really cool thing that I think I'd be more excited to have. Yeah. So, so uh, that does it. Yes, yes, it does. Um, uh, special thanks. I'll do it this week uh, since you do it every other week. But special thanks to George Shaw for providing the music for the beginning and the ending of this podcast. You can check out everything he does at georgeshawmusic.com, uh, which we highly encourage you to do so. But uh, next week, episode two of all of these shows will be right back to it next week as well so uh we appreciate you being a part of the community thank you for commenting pod and subscribing uh one new thing we want you guys to do if you can is if you subscribe to us on itunes or google play uh please give us a review if you don't mind just write us a quick review for itunes and google play we want to try and boost them up a little bit uh to everybody out there who's a subscriber uh but make sure you remain a part of the community on facebook 
Uh, thank you for liking, commenting, and subscribing to everything, and we continue to ask that you do so and share. Uh, but until next week, guys, we'll see you around the bend. Take care. Peace.